you can go into any Best Buy right now, spend about a thousand bucks, give or take, buy cameras, buy lights, buy everything you need, even green screens, and set it up and do it. Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla76. Over the last year and a half since I launched this podcast, I've had a handful of smart folks come on the show and talk about the power of video in our respective business environments. My guests have educated about video for marketing purposes and in sales applications, and even for more efficient and human internal communications. But I've got a new one for you today. About a month removed from Fabtech 2021, at the time I'm recording this, the two guys that you're about to hear from will tell you how they flipped the typical unimaginative trade show booth on its head with the help of a really smart video strategy, specifically live streamed video right from their facility into McCormick Place in Chicago. Pay attention here because these guys are a few years ahead of the curve. And I can promise you there are ideas you'll take away from what they're about to share. Let's get into it. Zach Person has spent his professional career unlocking the revenue potential of global teams that manufacture and sell a variety of metal fabricated products all over the world. He does this via the integration of systems, software, and people, driven by clarity of vision, relentless implementation, and process. The results have been turning stagnation into acceleration and change into opportunity. Zach has launched products in 30 plus countries, currently specializing in the North America region. He has built companies from conception to commercialization and reorganized and revitalized entire sales and marketing departments. This experience allows Zach to work shoulder to shoulder with everyone from admin staff to process engineers to presidents and CEOs. His career spans the private and public sector, including consulting and entrepreneurship. He has held a number of leadership roles, ranging from Director of Global Business Operations to Director of International Sales to Senior Program Manager. Zach earned a BA in Marketing and a second BA in German Studies from Michigan State University. He currently lives in Chicago and enjoys giving back to the community by mentoring young professionals and donating time to startups and small businesses. Clive White is part engineer, part visionary. As owner of NC Tech and inventor of the TIG brush, his electrical engineering expertise and passion for the product are the linchpin of NC Tech's innovation, research, and development. Working closely with experts in other areas, including industrial chemistry, Clive's unique perspective on the development and potential of the TIG brush has been the driving force behind its rapid success. A qualified electrical engineer, Clive previously held roles in sales for Motorola and developed software for onboard automotive systems, telecommunications, and remuneration systems. Zach and Clive, welcome to the show. Thank you. How are you doing? Good to have you guys here. And my business partner, John, he made the introduction to us after he witnessed what he said was the most innovative trade show booth he saw while walking the halls at Fabtech. So congrats on that, first of all. Thanks very much. So, you know, I've got a lot I want to cover with you guys here today, but 
tell our audience first, you know, what was going through your heads as you entered 2021 and you thought about what your trade show strategy was going to be in the first place? The product that we make needs to be shown to customers. So customers need to basically see it to believe it. So when the pandemic hit in March 2020, we had to cancel all our trade shows. So in 2019, we went to 13 trade shows for the during the year. And so we had to make the decision to to cancel all the trade shows. So then we were left in this really strange place where we couldn't actually show our product to customers, either in trade shows or go and visit customers. So we had to find a way of bridging that gap. So that's when we thought perhaps we could use something like uh, Zoom as a way of connecting to our customers remotely. But the big problem was, how can we get our customers to actually see the product and and, to to try it for themselves? So that was the big issue. When the trade show Fabtech came up in 2021, we didn't really know if it was going to go ahead. So it's the first trade show we've really been back to. And so we thought if we created a virtual environment, even if the trade show was cancelled, we could basically still carry on the trade show anyway, but just do it remotely. So that's, that was the genesis of the idea. Got it. And so talk a little bit about what, you know, what that implementation actually looked like. like here's what I'll, I'll tell our listeners. You know, my business partner, John, he was kind of just walking down the hall and, and all of a sudden he hears, I don't know which one of you guys it was, go, hey, you in the in the blue gorilla 76 shirt. And he kind of turns and, and like this TV's talking at him. Right. And I think he just made the assumption there was a recorded video going on there. Like there probably is on a number of booths, but so t- talk about what, what your actual structure looked like and kind of how you guys had that set up. Well, I think I can, I'll, I can jump in here a little bit because to, to also give some additional background, essentially, so our whole booth was virtual and real life at the same time. So we had three zoom feeds going all the time. We had a big giant, larger than life, screen that was pointed out into the crowd. And that's where John was. And John, John's uh, our in, in, internal technical salesperson and, and also technical support guy. But he's also a wonderful personality. And he does a really good job of just talking at people. And he actually helps us do demos. And he really did a good job of engaging people as they're walking by because people are so used to seeing videos. And it's just another talking head that's not going to talk to me. But well, John just talked to him and brought him in. We had a mic and they were talking to each other and, and engaging and talking. And then he would do a demo showing what we did and how things work. And then he would just pass them on to us. Where we would then have a couple of stations set up to where the customer could use our product. But then right in front of them was another Zoom session, one of three, where they could talk to Clive or talk to another salesperson. In, and Clive, by the way, was in uh, Sydney, Australia at the time. We had other salespeople that were in Aurora. Illinois at the time, they're all over the place. There are only about two of us physically in the booth. And but really we had a whole slew of people in the booth supporting all these customers. And we just feed them right in and and uh, I would drop them off to talk to Clive and they would do the demo on their own and I would go talk to somebody else. And that's just how it kind of flowed. And people just first of all were taken away. They, they weren't quite unsure what they were seeing until all of a sudden they just fell into a, oh, we're just talking to somebody on Zoom like we've been doing for the last year and a half. And it just started working. And it was just normal talking to someone like that. And just became very, very normal, very quickly. And people liked it. It was new. It was interesting. It was innovative. And, you know, and it worked really well. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it is it is just normal. We're doing it right now to record this podcast. We all do it probably multiple times a day at this point with with people. Why not? Why not use live streaming video in in a trade show booth setting, right? Yeah. It was a little bit different, I guess, though, in that Zoom is designed to go office to office. So we actually wanted to demonstrate our product to people. 
so that's where it, it became a little bit more interesting as to how we set the, uh, the, the booth up. So we decided we'd have a big main screen to, to basically stop people. And that's what John did. And he was really good at that, including Gorilla 76. And then we thought, well, what do we do with people once they're stopped? How do we actually get them to try the product out? So we thought there was going to be a bit of a psychological barrier there because you're in front of a big screen and there's a guy, you know, who's, who's hamming up a little bit. How do you get someone to leave that group and go across? So that's where we decided to have some product on the on the actual booth itself to attract people and then the issue was engaging with that person from the screen from the zoom session and that was really interesting so because people have it in their mind that, it, that there's just a video happening even when we said hello to the customer often they just thought that it was that point in the video where the person said hello to someone else and so you know like you'd wave to them and they'd wave back but then they'd be embarrassed because they just waved to a video and it was actually really interesting trying to get people to to realize that they were in a live engagement situation so yeah it had some interesting teething issues but once we worked out where the bottlenecks were zach for example did the introduction so people would would actually be introduced to the remote presenter and once they realized like zach said what was happening then all of a sudden it all clicked and and they were fine with it it's interesting how difficult it was for people to understand what it was that we'd actually done to start off with so you had john's big head on screen stopping people in their tracks you had zach live in person actually bringing people over to a smaller screen where then somebody also remote was conducting a demo, but your product was right there live. That's right. Exactly. That's super interesting. What, just out of curiosity, what made you guys decide those people should be remote rather than in person? Well, part of it was that we had to develop the capability ourselves anyway to be able to reach our customers. So we were already using the technology, which we developed really a year ago. And I suppose in one way, it was, it was to try and stretch our capability to see if we could literally do this at a trade show. And the other part of it is that we wanted to actually um, sell the concept of doing virtual demonstrations to our customers. So our customers are reluctant to engage in a virtual demo because they think they're just going to be watching a video for an hour and everyone's PowerPointed to death. So to actually get people to realize that this is actually very engaging, very interactive, and we will respond to their requests. It's not just going to be us preaching to them. And so we wanted the trade show to showcase that capability to customers. And I think it did that. What do you think, Zach? Yeah, it worked really well. And it was well, it, the, the biggest part of what it allowed us to do, it allowed us to be more places at once allowed us to bring resources to, to bear at the trade show, no matter where they were in the world. And it allowed us to do, and also because uh, we were broadcasting from our warehouse, we had everything in that warehouse. If we had a customer come up and they wanted to use, yeah, we're stick welding. You got any stick welds back there? Oh, yes, we do. We got everything you need. You just grab it and you go. And so you don't have to bring as much stuff to the booth because it's all at the warehouse. It's all wherever you want it to be and it worked just fine. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's really smart. A lot of good reasons to have done this. I mean, less people to send there. You can show more stuff from a distance. And I like how you guys used it as a, as a sort of showcase. Hey, hey, customers, look what we can do remotely, right? Yeah. It was also leveraging people's new familiarity with Zoom. And we also had a QR code. So people are used to using QR codes too now. So we had a QR code next to the screen that they could scan with their phone and it would take them to a landing page so they could, and instead of taking a brochure with them, a paper brochure, they could literally take it away in their phone. And we had a whole lot of other stuff in there too, including the possibility to book a live demo later after the show. So we put a lot of thought into that, what we call the landing page. 
that customers could take away with them. And that actually also ended up working really well because often people will take a paper brochure and it gets lost. But because this was in their phone, it was was something that they could use to contact us later or that we could contact them so is this is this a um, strategy you plan to replicate then, having done it both live and and in this sort of more technological remote way? Something you're going to do again? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think so. One way to visualize it is that we've created a virtual world in the trade show, and we've invited people into that virtual world. So once you've got people to understand that as a concept, we can expose them to a lot of different experiences in that virtual world. So we can connect them with other customers. We can connect them with experts. We can show them products. We can show them videos. If they want to see a video, we can show them technical documentation. And we can do it very fast because it's already set up. And they can walk away from the booth after a couple of minutes with a lot of different experiences that would normally take a long time to show them. So I think it really works, especially in a trade show setting. Yeah, that's great. So let's shift gears here and talk more about this concept of live streaming. Because, you know, frankly, trade shows are just one application for doing something like this. And you guys, I think, kudos to you for figuring out how to make that work. And we've, we've gotten into this already. The whole world's used to talking on Zoom. And I think that opens up a lot of possibilities that really people wouldn't have even thought about you know, 18 months ago, frankly. So, and then I guess as a result of this, the infrastructure for live streaming is also stronger and you're becoming stronger, at least to support, you know, the required bandwidth and just you know, technology required to, to do this. So I am just curious to hear you guys talk about what other applications, what other ways are you using live streaming in your business right now? Everywhere. I mean, it's, it's really because it, part of what we're getting to, to, to Clive's point, proof of concept. And also to gain trust in the idea and the concept that they can just, as long as they have a nice big screen, they can log in via Zoom. They don't, it's nice if they have a, if they have a video camera to, so we can look at each other, talk to each other, but they don't necessarily have to have that because we've got the whole setup and they, they can just beam in and then talk to us. And we can, they have to be able to see that they can see everything because we have the two cameras set up so they can see up close, they can see far away. And then because they, they, we ask them, well, what are you doing? What are you welding? What are you working with? We have everything there. And then therefore they can feel comfortable with letting us show everything. And it shortens the sales cycle in terms of now, instead of, you know, two miles away, now they're about maybe, you know, 10 feet and they just need to talk to each other and have a few more conversations, you know, dial it into their specific application and they just buy, you know, that's where we're at right now. And people have gotten more comfortable with that kind of thing over the last year and a half. We were just really leveraging that change because that's we're at a very unique point in time in history where people are open to this idea this would never have been able to happen two years ago uh, the other thing is that we're using it internally as well so we're holding weekly staff training sessions where we will schedule training that staff can uh, remote remote into uh, we've got an office in the us as well as one in australia so we use this capability to stay connected we can also do repairs. And this is actually a really interesting thing that came up quite early on where a customer had a repair that they were trying to do and um, couldn't work out how to do something. So we did a live stream with them and actually showed them how to do the repair. So yes, it's actually ended up being very versatile. And I think we're still discovering new ways of using it. That's great. Well, you know, let's brainstorm for here for a few minutes. What, what else could a manufacturer, you know, how else could they do it? Like here's, here's one I, I heard, I've seen this example actually play out for a client of ours where they said, well, we've got this big product, this thing that sits 
it's it's bigger than a human being. It sits on a shop floor. We can't bring it with us and you know show it to people. Like yeah, maybe at a trade show once or twice a year or whatever. But why not rather than setting up a phone call for a sales call or a you know even a Zoom call where they're sitting in an office? Why you know if you had the right technology in place, why not just conduct your your live you know consultations or calls with prospects right there from the shop floor where you're right in front of this thing and you can show it to them so you know I, I like i would love to see more of that kind of thing going on i think people are just intimidated by the technology but like what else what else do you guys think manufacturers should be thinking about in terms of you know using live streaming that maybe they're not well i'm just carrying on from what you're saying back in the 70s they came out with a video phone and it had a little tiny screen and the idea was that you could you could call someone and see them and it didn't work at all but I think nowadays with the technology that we've got, could we literally set up the company where every single person in the company has a camera and a microphone and when a customer rings that we can literally zoom them instead of answering the call. So that introduces some really interesting issues that Zoom hasn't considered yet. So how do you transfer a Zoom call from one person to another? That doesn't exist yet. How could we transfer someone to a Zoom session in you know, like a live demo room and then have them transferred back so that we can continue the conversation with them. So there are, there is still some technology to be developed there, but we have literally set up a whole company so that every single person is prepared to Zoom at any time with customers or with other employees. So again, that's an area I think that we could definitely use more. But I'm just taking us on a thought experiment, which is this idea of online sales, which have obviously taken off during the pandemic. The big problem with online sales is you have to buy something that you haven't seen or tried. So people have to trust the vendor. And so vendors reduce that risk by offering money back guarantees and stuff, which doesn't always work. So what people tend to do is they go to a shop, try stuff out for themselves, and then go online to buy it. <laughs> so the shopkeeper has to spend time with a customer who then doesn't spend the money with them. He spends it with someone else. So I think this is a perfect way to bridge that gap. So a shopkeeper can have a, a virtual shop where customers can actually talk to them about what it is that they want. The shopkeeper can show them what they have and close the transaction there and then without the person leaving and then buying somewhere else. So I think it's going to really find its niche in that. I don't know. What did you call it, Zach? E-commerce hybrid model. Yeah. So we think that there's a, a, a huge gap there that this could fill this type of technology. Yeah, that's really smart. And I think, and to add on to that, and also to, to, to further touch on the point, or the, the question that you asked a little bit earlier is that, what should companies think about? And the number one thing we took away from all this is that it is 100% possible using off-the-shelf equipment. You can go into any Best Buy right now, spend about a thousand bucks, give or take, buy cameras, buy lights, buy everything you need, even green screens, and set it up and do it. And Zoom, everybody knows how to Zoom, everybody knows how to use a webcam. And you know, we, we've actually used a third-party open source piece of software that allows us to use multi-camera uh, angles at, at real time during the Zooms. And But Zoom is also getting better and better with time. And now you can actually put uh, PowerPoint presentations in the green screen right behind you. You can, you can plug in that way. So there's a lot of stuff that's happening that if you can't figure it out yourself, you do what everybody else do is you just go to, go to YouTube and uh, there's a billion people that have done it. And it's a hundred percent possible. And I think that's what people that's what people were so amazed at is that holy moly, these guys did it. And and again, we keep on re reiterating everything everything that's in this booth is the same stuff that's in your house, mostly. Yeah, I think it's great. Good for you guys. So people are only limited now by their imagination because the technology exists at a price point where any of us can be a TV station. 
So we can do the whole thing that a TV station can do, which is just really mind-boggling. I don't think this would have been possible even a year and a half ago, but technology has come down in price and the capability has increased to such an extent that, yeah, it's affordable for just about anyone in business to yeah, to buy this technology and set it up. But it's the imagination, I think, that's the issue right now. People being able to get over that hurdle of actually seeing the possibilities and then exploring it. Let's get a little bit into the weeds on the technology for anybody who's sitting here listening, thinking, geez, I, I would love to start doing this, some of this stuff, but like, where do I even start? You know, I think it's fair to say you don't need a professional videographer in house or Hollywood production studio these days, as, as you've been communicating, but there's still some investments you want to make probably so that, you know, it's, it's better than the, I don't know, the, the, the webcam that's built into your Mac, which frankly is garbage as I've found and the extra $120 for a, the webcam I'm using now makes a, a big difference, but you can step it up another level if you, if you really want to and still not break the bank. So I'm just curious from camera to audio to lighting to you know green screen or background like what's the stuff that you guys have found is really worth investing in so that you can go from you know feeling like just you you picked up your android or iphone and turned on the video to like you know really feeling kind of a little a little more professional yeah well initially i was uh, just talking to zach before about this the first time we did this was in march 2020 when we realized that we had to try and find a different way of connecting to customers so we had no idea what we were doing (laughs) So we just went out to the local camera store and Canon had just released their latest M50 and everyone was saying it was very cheap for its capabilities. So we grabbed that. (laughs) We tried to plug it into Zoom and it didn't work at all. So then it was trying to work out how to connect it through to Zoom. So we searched around for software and found some software we could use. But then the sound was no good. So you don't realize when you're talking to a computer at a desk how close you are. But as soon as you start to use it for demonstration purposes, you're a long way away from the screen and the sound becomes a big issue. So then the microphone comes in and we had to buy a very expensive microphone. And then obviously the background is an issue. So we bought a green screen, which I think we paid nearly $2,000 for. So we paid a huge amount of money for that first setup, A, because people weren't really understanding what, it, what we wanted to use it for. So we probably over, overspent, but also because we didn't really know what we were doing. So now I'll go to, over to Zach and he can talk about what we did for the trade show. Yeah. And, and what we did now is we, because you can use an SLR for your, the, the, I guess you don't have to either. And what's happened now is that at the time we were setting it up two years ago, a year and a half ago, is that when for the, the camera that's focused on the demo area, you want to actually have some good optical components to the camera. So it's not all optical zoom, needs some some physical zoom in there. And Mevo is a really good option that sets out there for, for doing podcasting and that kind of thing that has an optical, very good optical componentry built into it. It's not too expensive and it's just really good quality. And as far as the webcams, you know, the, the, Logi, the, the Logitech webcams do a pretty good job. The only thing is you want it to have the, the widest angle view is, is, is possible. And those there's a lot of really good options out there with that for under $200 or so, somewhere in that neighborhood. And then with the mics, there's a lot of really good mics out there. Yeti's a good mic. There's a whole bunch of other kind of mics that are out there that do a really good job. And but I think more so about now is that Zoom integrates with all this stuff. Before we had to do it old school style and piecemeal it all together and throw in software, get the software to work. It felt like working with Windows back in the 1990s, you know. And, and but now it's because of how far we've come. You just plug it in and it works. And you know that was you know, we. And it was also really interesting is that we, we talk about execution is you have to have backup upon backup upon backup when you're doing something this complicated. And we actually had 
two Microsoft computers and two Apple computers. This company typically uses Apple. We're, we're both using Apples right now, but I, I'm fine working with PCs just because of where I come from. I'll use anything really. And we had uh, Apples and PCs running all of our stuff. We had PCs in the booth. We had Apples and PCs mixed up in the in the office. And it worked fine because the software can work on everything. It's, it's, it's platform agnostic, which is wonderful. And, and so everything is just starting to work very well together now. Yeah, so to to I think that what we've discovered is that you need a good microphone, you need a good camera, and you need good internet connection. So if you've got those three things, then you can live live stream. Yeah, I suppose the internet connection is going to make a big difference. Obviously, when you're running all this, you know, high res video, huh? Well, with the trade show, that was our num- my my number one concern. So we were going to be running three simultaneous Zoom sessions, including someone like myself and um, someone else from Australia, and they had to work for four days straight without a glitch. And I was so worried that that was almost an impossible task. And again, I think a couple of years ago, maybe it would have been, but because now people are aware that the need for internet is a is a must. Really, the infrastructure was there. And we just had one small glitch that lasted probably, I don't know, about five minutes, maybe. Also, Zoom is really good at recovering from glitches, whereas older technology wasn't. We'd have to reboot and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it was, a, it was really a great experience. And we were really, really pleased with how good the, the internet connection was. Also, there was very little lag. So that's another big issue that used to be a huge problem with live streaming is the lag. We had no lag at all. So not that you could see anyway. So it's probably less than half a second. So, yeah, it worked Better than we did hoped that it would. However, as with all good shows, performances, is that you know, with all good systems, you have to pressure test the vessel way before you actually go to the show. So we had we set up our booth ahead of time and we lit everything up, turn on all the all the live feeds, all the way up to eleven, and let them run for a long period of time. And we we tested this, tested that. And during that period of time, we went through two computers blew up. Okay. We had other ones in the wings, doesn't matter. Plug it in, load on a Zoom, everything else, and we can we can change out a computer in about 15, 20 minutes. And you know, but you have to pressure test everything ahead of time because there's a lot of little nooks and crannies that we didn't think about. You know, communicating during the show and and using a instant message platform to interact with the people at the booth outside of just cell phone and just all these little things. And we just had it done ahead of time so that when we went live, we'd already made all the mistakes and we we'd already tested everything out. And the things that we were worried about breaking, we had backups for, and they did break. Oh yeah, things broke quite a lot. And it doesn't matter. Plug it in, keep going. And you just have to have that mentality of just being prepared and having enough technical knowledge both at the booth and also at the respective warehouses to just kind of ebb and move and flow. Uh, but, but you don't have to be a, a rocket science scientist because you know most people have become smarter about this stuff, more knowledgeable about all this stuff than I think people give themselves credit for. Um actually to that point, Zach, remember the week before when we were doing tests our factory lost the internet. So someone cut through a cable somewhere. (laughs) So for two and a half days on the week before the show, the place that we were going to do most of the Zooming from had no internet at all. (laughs) So Zach raced out and bought a hotspot and did a negotiation with one of the providers. And we we got up on the cellular network and tested that out as well. So we we were even prepared to operate without the Cat5 internet through the building because... We experienced that during testing. So yeah, testing is really important. And it didn't matter. You could we pulled even the internet that we had at the show was all through five G, four and five G. And that's and that's where we're at now. Five G is making all this stuff possible anywhere. 
Good stuff, guys. Let's swing back around to kind of where we started with trade shows. I'd be curious to hear, and you guys are ahead of the curve here, but I'd like to hear your take on what's it going to look like when in 2025 or 2026, you know, say five years out, you're walking the, you know, you're back at FabTech or maybe you're Clive, you're still sitting in Australia um, streaming in. But what, what's, what do you guys think is going to be different? In a post-pandemic world where we now live in this 5G world, which will probably be 6 or 7G by then, who, who knows? And you know, people are more accustomed to live streaming. Like Not only that, but what, what else do you think is going to change in the years ahead in this trade show world? I think the trade show industry is about to undergo a huge revolution. So if you could imagine that every single exhibitor at the show had the same technology as us then they're going to start thinking, well, why do we need to actually go to a building? Why can't we hold a trade show remotely and not not actually go at all? So that's something I think trade show organizers need to think about is what facilities would they need to provide companies like us for the one or two people that do turn up where most of the trade show interaction is actually happening virtually. So I think it would be a very different setup. One of the things that um, I really don't like about trade shows is the waste. The amount of time and effort that's spent in building those stands for just a few days and then it's all thrown away at the end of the show is is really quite heartbreaking, I think. So it's kind of an imperative, I think, that we find a better way of doing this. And the cost is just huge right now. So I also see the costs of doing trade shows reducing as people move more and more into a virtual world. What do you think, Zach? Where do you see it going? Yeah, and I definitely second that. And I think what we also saw at the show is is we had just as many vendors walking by, just checking out what we're doing, including a lot of the big guys, like the big, huge vendors that did not go to Fabtech this year. They had people walking the, the show and they were coming by. We talked to a couple as we were there. And next year, I think that the big anchor companies are going to be seriously reducing the size of their booths and really leveraging the hybrid component of their booths so they can save money because they spend literally millions of dollars pop. And there's always a question, what are you getting out of it? And the, the answer is becoming very clear now. Not a lot, especially when you got a lot of alternatives to get just as much or more bang for your buck for a fraction of the cost. And that's where things are headed. But the trade show industries and the trade show organizers are resisting tooth and nail. You know, they're, they're, they, This is kind of a neat little thing, but they're not helping a whole lot. It's up to the, the vendors. It's up to the companies to just innovate in spite of everything else. And that, that's how innovation really happens anyway. But that, that's where things are, are, are heading. Well, good stuff, guys. Is there anything you'd like to add to this conversation that we have not touched on? I've thought about our whole approach to this. So obviously, in March 2020, we had a crisis. And how have we handled that as a company? And I think that we've taken a problem, a big problem, and turned it into a solution. So I think the overall message for all B2B companies, especially as I'm sure there's, there's going to be still more changes that we're going to be facing in the near future, is don't let problems take you down, but see if you can make problems part of a solution. So th- what we did is we took the greater capability that people were developing in having to get onto Zoom, use QR codes, all that sort of stuff. We used that greater capability that our audience had and turned it to our advantage. And I'd really encourage small businesses to look at issues like that in the same way and to make problems work for you rather than let them stop you. Because what, what that means is that us as a, as a smaller to mid-sized company, we were just as as well put together and put on a show just as good as a lot of the other bigger, more well-funded companies in a much smaller footprint. 
And that was, there's a lot of kind of like, whoa, what just like, holy, that this is totally possible. Just a lot of paradigm shifts were, were happening as they were walking by. And I, I, I can't wait for FabTech next year. It's going to be real interesting to see. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> awesome, guys. Well, I appreciate you doing this today. I want to give you a chance to talk about where people can learn about MC Tech and TigBrush, your product specifically, and where they can get in touch with you guys. So fire away. Let's say the number one port of call is to go to www.tigbrush.com. <laughs> and we've got just about everything there on the website. Yeah. And, and to, to, to your point as well, we we're ever, we have an, an office in Aurora, Illinois, fully stocked warehouse. We don't have any issues with stock at all. And we also have fully stocked warehouse in, a, in Australia and we sell globally. So we're all over the place, but we really focus on and part of also what we were trying to do at the show is showing that not only are we selling a, a, a product, but we're selling a solution and we're selling the support of that solution through innovative platforms and means. And that's in the B2B space and in the, the industrial space, anybody can buy a product, but it's the company behind the product that people are really caring about and that people really buy. And we really take that seriously. And it, it, it's working really well. So if you do stainless steel welding and you want to remove the heat tint, come and talk to us because we can help you in all sorts of different ways. Fantastic. Well, once again, guys, I appreciate you doing this. I think this is a really interesting conversation and congratulate you guys for getting out ahead of the curve on the technology front here when it comes to you know where trade shows are headed and what you could do with live video streaming. Uh, I think it's really cool. So I think we're gonna get a lot of our listeners are gonna get some value out of this. Thank you. Thanks very much for having us. It's been really great talking to you. You bet. And as for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of the Manufacturing Executive. You've been listening to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com slash learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.